Welcome back, me sweet listener. I'm Donna Peters. I'm an advisor to executives and next generation leaders who strive to be both career oriented and life minded. The Me Sweet podcast is a forum for how to lead our lives with more purpose, planning, and power, like C suites lead the companies we most admire. The C suite wakes up every day focused on three key decisions. Number one, are we living our own core values? Number two, is everything running smoothly in our day-to-day? And number three, how do we as individuals stay fresh and relevant for the future we desire to have? You get the idea. We each need a C-suite mentality for leading our own lives. We each need a me-suite, a source of power for the life-minded. Let's get in there. This episode is brought to you by Social Distancing. On this episode of the Me Suite, we are going to be interviewing Reza Farouzbak. Reza is an entrepreneurial-minded strategist. He has been focused on innovation and strategy his entire career as a leader of a strategy practice at one of the world's leading consulting firms, IBM. And he's very interestingly also a Cordon Bleu chef. He has an MBA from the Chicago Booth School. He is the dad of two. For eight years, he served as the chair of NIAC, the National Iranian American Council. And we'll talk about that a little bit in our episode today. Reza has been a longtime friend, a longtime thought partner and sparring partner, and just the kind of person you want to sit around and have a debate with. So I'm really excited to have a chance to riff with Reza on the Me Suite today. Welcome, Reza. I'm just delighted that you invited me to join. So happy to be here. Thank you for supporting us. I think that we have come up with a very interesting, timely topic. We are calling this episode Managing Your Personal Fear. And what a tremendous time to be having this conversation. And I thought you would be really interesting for this topic because you are a strategist. And in my mind, a strategist focuses on scenario planning, comfort with uncertainty. How do you plan for things that you have no control over? So let's just dive right in there with the topic of fear. Let me just kind of tell you a little bit of my personal history because I think it's relevant in a why fear became a topic of interest to me. So I was born in the early 70s in Iran. And in my younger years, 1979, of course, was the Iranian Revolution. Uh, 1981 was when the Iran-Iraq war started. And I was a child in Iran at the time for both of those pretty significant events. And it was a really scary time. You know, it, I had a very peaceful childhood before that. I mean, we, you know, very comfortable economically. You know, we traveled back and forth abroad. My family's been in the, in the States since the 60s. Um, so things were calm. And then all of a sudden, now, as I'm kind of describing this from a child's perspective, so everything was happy and, and fine. And then all of a sudden, it was complete chaos, right? There mm. were people in the streets and there were demonstrations and people were getting killed. And I, I, I remember as a child, there was uh, one incident where there was a large demonstration and a number of the demonstrators were shot at by the, uh, by the government forces. And my mom uh, said, look, we, we need to go take, they needed uh, any, any cloth, sheets, you know, anything that they could, they could use as tourniquets for the people that, that were injured or killed. And so I remember going to, you know, the outskirts of this demonstration where my mom was delivering a box full of clean sheets to the medics who were dealing with that. And as a child, those were pretty, pretty traumatic events, right? And then 
course, there was the bombing with the Iraq war. Um, and I remember being in a, in a basement during a bombing raid and you could hear the bombs falling. Um, and it was scary. Right. Mm. And, and I, I, just, I was just scared. Right. And then um, so now fast forward many years later, I, I, my best friend in college, his mom was a very successful entrepreneur. And I remember having a conversation with her and she made a statement that just stuck with me. Hmm. I asked her, I said, what's your secret to mm-hmm. being such a successful entrepreneur? And she said, I don't make decisions based on fear. Oh. And I, and I thought that was interesting. I didn't think much of it at the time, but what, mm-hmm. what she said really stuck with me. And you know, over the years, I've come back to that statement. I don't make decisions based on fear. So then fast forward again, I took a decision sciences class in business school. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that we discussed during one of the sessions was intuition versus analysis. Mm-hmm. And where's the intersection between intuition and analysis? And of course, this is sort of just before books like Blink came out, yeah. right, where you know, there, there was a real movement toward trusting your gut and making decisions quickly and so forth. Mm-hmm. And my, my professor, my decision sciences professor, he was a believer in data and fact-based analysis. But he took time and, in fact, an entire class just to talk about intuition. And his main point was that intuition is our physiology, right, is able to perceive a lot more data than maybe we're cognizant of, Mm, right? mm -hmm. And therefore, our emotions aren't necessarily not fact-based. Yes. Right. So of course, we, sometimes we have emotions that are that might be you know irrational, meaning there's no rational basis for them. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times, our intuition, our gut feel, is actually us processing information, but not necessarily being conscious of it. Right. Yes. And so you just have this funny feeling like I shouldn't do that, or mm-hmm. you know maybe I maybe maybe I or, or on the other side you might have a feeling. Hey, this, I just have a gut feel, a good feeling about this. I should do this. And you haven't done the analysis, but you kind of have this feeling, right? Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, between the, the comment that my friend's mom made about not making decisions based on fear, and then in this decision sciences class, really explicitly talking about feelings, I kind of connect, started connecting the two. And I thought, that's really interesting. Do you really, should you really not make decisions based on fear? Or should you actually think about fear a little bit more explicitly. Mm-hmm. And so if there's something that's making you anxious or you're feeling fear about, rather than saying, I'm going to suppress this, I'm going to ignore it, and I'm just going to look at the data, I started to say, well, you know what? I'm going to look at the data, but if my intuition is telling me something different than what the data is telling me, then maybe I'm missing something. Maybe I'm missing a piece of information because mm-hmm. that intuition is really important. It's really valuable. That fear is important mm-hmm. as long as you don't let it control you, right? As long as you embrace it and yeah. understand it and figure out where it's coming from, it can actually be a very effective tool. And you know, now with this COVID-19 outbreak and everything that's happening that, quite honestly, is very scary, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know who's affected. We don't have enough tests. So there's, there's an unbelievable amount of uncertainty and, of course, fear around what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's really, uh, it, particularly in times like this, you know, and I kind of think back to the bombing raid and the revolution. And, you know, when, when we're in these sort of chaotic times, it becomes even more important for us to 
step back and think about, well, I'm, a, I'm, I'm afraid or I'm anxious, but how rational is that anxiety? You know, mm-hmm. is it real or is it, is it something that I'm overreacting to? Or perhaps it's something that you're underreacting to. Having a conscious consciousness about your fear uh, is critically important. So I'll go back to what my friend said. I actually disagree with her after many years of thinking about it. Uh-huh. You should make decisions based on fear, right? Except that you should really process that fear and make it still make a rational decision. Yeah. So when you hear the word fear, you don't automatically jump to a negative place. No, I don't. I think fear is one of the most primal feelings and right. things that we have. And I think fear is a signal and it's a really mm. important one mm. that we should pay attention to. So when, when we feel it, we should embrace that and say, why, why, am, I, why am I afraid? Mm-hmm. And then bring it to our sort of cere- kind of have a more cerebral approach to it and say, let me see the data. Should I, how afraid should I be? In other words, how concerned should I be? What are the facts around this? And I think it's a really good lighthouse for us to determine whether or not, you know, we've really fully accounted for all the facts and the data, because that intuition is really important. If, if all the data is pointing you in one direction, but your gut is still saying, I don't want to do that, mm-hmm. something is missing in your analysis, I believe. There are two ways to think about fear. One is using fear as an acronym, and the acronym is false evidence appearing real. So when somebody is feeling a little paralyzed by a decision or they have a self-limiting belief that something is not possible, it's often, we often talk about fear as being false evidence appearing real. And that manifests in a self-limiting belief. It can also manifest in anxiety. I think the U.S. stat right now is 25% of the U.S. population has some sort of an anxiety diagnosis, right? Yeah. Um, And then the other... The other way fear manifests, if it's always a negative, is that fear can give people a sense that they're out of control. And if you're able to balance the emotional and the, co- and the cognitive part of the equation, fear can be a very positive motivator, like stage fright, right? Can actually make you a better performer. Uh, but it's when, when it's out of balance, when it becomes a, a paralyzing problem. And I've been thinking about this a lot since, the, since COVID-19. Because I've been seeing in my clients' fear manifesting in multiple ways. One is purely the medical fear. If you have people in your family that are particularly at risk, um, if they contracted the illness, that's more of a, of a medical fear. There's another fear of you know, people watching their stock decline. And will they be able yeah. to maintain the lifestyle that they have today uh, because of the upset in the market? And the financial analysts are expecting the market not to rebound for about 15 years. And then there's another fear of students coming out of school right now. Will I have a job? Uh, what, what are yeah. really the career options for me right now? Will my job offers be rescinded? How do you as a strategist think about scenario planning around those fears and help people get a greater sense of control around it? I think fear is, is a signal. Mm. And it's a signal that says, hey, you know, caution. I need to pay attention here. Some, something mm-hmm. doesn't feel right, right? I, mm-hmm. You know, I feel danger or I feel anxiety. The question then is, really the question is, what are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. Right? That, that's yeah. really the important question is, well, mm-hmm. okay, what are you, you going to do about that? I mean, first of all, is that fear rational? How much should I be concerned? 
And what am I going to do about it? So it's interesting you talk about stage fright because stage fright is, um, I I call it kind of anticipatory fear, Mm -hmm. right? You're you're anticipating that you're going to get up on stage and you're going to forget your lines and you're going to somehow screw up and the audience is going to laugh at you. And that's the anticipation that you have. There's not, you're not in danger, right? Right. (laughs) But you're anticipating something bad is going to happen and therefore you have stage Mm -hmm. fright and you don't want to go on stage. Well, what do you what do you do in that scenario? Well, actually, I think stage fright is a really useful feeling because mm-hmm. good actors, what they do when they feel stage fright is they rehearse a lot more, <laughs> right? Yeah. Until yeah. they until they 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 feel so practiced and yeah. competent that they're yeah. able to get in front of uh, an audience and do a and do a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, in the case of the COVID nineteen outbreak, is the fear real? Absolutely. I mean, this, yeah. this is a this is a novel virus. It can kill any of us, right? Yeah. It, it it certainly is a lot more dangerous for the older population. So even if you yourself aren't vulnerable, the people around you might be vulnerable to it. So I don't think that fear is irrational at all. I mean, I think it's a it's mm-hmm. a real fear. The question is, what are you going to do about it, right? Yeah. And I think the people who um, sort of understood, digested that fear, and very early on, they started socially isolating themselves, right? Did the mm-hmm. right thing because they said that's the action to take. Is the best thing I can do in this scenario, the part that I can control in this scenario, is reducing the transmission rate. And the way to do that is by you know distancing myself from other mm-hmm. people. In brain-based coaching, the goal is for people to have a greater sense of control. And in this financial scenario, things that you can do that are in your control are becoming more knowledgeable about tax implications, becoming more knowledgeable about what really is the likely time frame for the market to bounce back to its original, (laughs) where where it was before before the drop. And that's all, it's fact-based, it's knowledge that you have. And then based on that knowledge, you respond accordingly. So I hope hope that people are using this opportunity to get more educated on what really is true about the financial markets right now and then make decisions that are in their control. The third area I wanted to hear you talk about, Reza, was what about people who are in uh, business school or graduating from undergrad right now and, and they're looking at, well, what are my job prospects and how... What if my job offers are rescinded? It's going to take a while for these companies to bounce back. How would you advise people to work through that type of fear? Let's play that out. What if you have a scenario where your job offers do get rescinded? Yeah. What can you now? Now all of a sudden you have complete freedom to do whatever you want. You actually don't have to follow that path anymore, right? So you know, and you'll look back probably years from now and say, "Gosh, that was the coolest thing I ever did because I was out of a job." And I had a whole year and I, you know, and I went and did something really cool that, that changed the trajectory of my life. So I think, you know, the other um, element of this is mindset. And, you know, I think that's, that's where the meditation and calming yourself down becomes really important Yeah, because you can then see things, see opportunities that you wouldn't normally see because the fear will make you so stuck on what you're losing or what you might lose that you're not seeing everything else that's opening up all the opportunities that are opening up uh, because of the thing that you're losing, right? So I think, uh, again, I'll come back to being conscious of fear. Is yeah. Point, right? Yeah. Uh, it's not bad or good. I, I think it's, it's, a, it's a really important signal mm. that has evolved over millions of years. And 
you know, in, in some ways, it's sort of a gift that we have as human beings, the ability to not just react to it, but we're the only, we're the only species that can actually take that fear and think about it, uh-huh. right? process it, and then do something about it consciously. I think we should take advantage of it. I mean, I really think mm-hmm. uh, we should embrace fear and um, see it as sort of a superpower that we have uh-huh. right? and that we can, act, we can actually process our feelings in the way that no other animal can. Our yeah. ability to take that fear and bring it into our consciousness and actually act on it in a rational way yeah. can be very powerful. And we, mm-hmm. see, we see the greatest entrepreneurs or the people who really make an impact on the world have an unbelievable ability to do that. I mean, mm-hmm. look at somebody like Elon Musk, for example, and I'm, I'm not mm-hmm. suggesting, you know, all of us can do what he, what he's done, but he's taken, you know, fears that we as, as a species, as humanity have, right? Mm-hmm. Like, are we, how long are we going to be able to survive on this earth? Mm-hmm. You know, given the levels of pollution, right? Mm-hmm. What I find really fascinating about someone like Elon Musk is, first of all, you know, he thinks much bigger than, you know, <laughs> anyone anyone else frankly yeah. that, that in our lifetime but you know he, he's he also has a great way of rationalizing these fears and doing something about it so let me tell you a few things i've loved about this conversation i have loved the crisp summary that you gave us that fear is a signal a signal that needs to be paid attention to and in the me suite i like to give people things that we can start doing differently on monday So we're balancing this aspiration with practicality. So if fear is a signal that needs to be paid attention to, we are in a social environment right now where there is a lot of fear circling. Sure. Are there disciplines that we can learn from in the strategy work that you do around strategic planning or around scenario planning? I think it's it's very important to have the meditative mindfulness sort of skills to calm Mm -hmm. yourself down. Mm -hmm. And one thing I find really, really helpful is just saying the serenity prayer over and over again Mm -hmm. to myself. Right. And and I, what I find is as I say it, right. You know, this question of what can I control and what I can't control becomes Mm -hmm. a lot more into focus. And so, you know, after sort of calming down your, your nervous system, right. So that you can actually make a distinction between the things you can control and the things you can't control, mm-hmm. then you can really start to rationalize the thing that you things that you can control, mm-hmm. and that's where the scenario planning comes in, right? Okay. Because the scenario planning is really about how will the things I can't control affect the things I can control, right? Right. right. So that's when you say, okay, this is the stuff I can't control. This is the stuff I can control. Right. Okay. So now let's take a look at the stuff I can't control. What if the market goes down even more? What am I going to do about it? Right. Right. Now, what if what if the coronavirus outbreak outbreak gets even worse? You know, what are the implications of that? And what am I going to do about it? Right. Mm -hmm. So I I always come back to what am I going to do about it? The the things you can control. Mm -hmm. But I think that's that's the mechanism of scenario planning is isolating those variables you can't control. Mm hmm. And then figuring out how it's going to affect the variables you can control, right? And then you can kind of start to structure it as, as scenarios. Is it literally, you're, you're starting to make a list of these are the things that could happen. Stock market improves, doesn't improve. My job offer gets rescinded, delayed, or stays as is. The 
COVID-19 isolation continues one month, two months, three months, all of those things would be on the left-hand side of things that might happen. If this happens, then blank. Well, what am I going to do about it? And blank or what are the things I'm going to do about it that are actually in my control? And then you, you decide how do you keep a finger on the pulse of what scenario is coming true? By exactly, that's exactly research. right. Research, I mean, yeah. It's, it's funny because you know, in this whole scenario, the gyms have shut down. Right? I mean, everything right. shut down. So. Yeah. But you know, I was just telling you before we started this that you know, we, now now I have this routine with my team where we virtually work out every morning. Yeah. And once a week, we do yoga with uh, one one of the IBM partners who's a uh-huh. who's a master yogi. Uh-huh. Anyway, he le- he leads our group virtually in a uh-huh. in a one hour yoga exercise. Right. But you know, initially when the gyms closed down, a lot of people were pretty upset. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, how am I going to work out? This is terrible. I'm stuck indoors and blah blah. And um, you know, as a team, you know, this this is a mindset that I try to really encourage people to say. Mm-hmm. But look, we can't control this scenario. I mean, the governor of Washington just issued an order saying stay yeah. in your house. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm not going to change the governor's mind. And in fact, I agree with him. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're going to do that. Right. But just given that, what can we control? Look, we, we have technology. We can still work out. Yeah. And what I find really striking is how many things you can control. Yes. Right. If you calm yourself down enough and, yeah. you, and you kind of say, wow, this really, you know, I think we're going to come out of this COVID-19 scenario and, uh, and, and our lives will never be the same again in a good way. Right. right. I think we're going to we have found, you know, an entirely new world of social interaction that was mm-hmm. always available and has been available to us for years, but no one really took advantage of it. And I think we're sort of being pushed into a digital age now mm-hmm. and it's going to change the way we interact. And I think it's going to open up a lot of possibilities for us that didn't exist before. It, they were always there. And I shouldn't say right. they didn't exist before. We didn't take advantage of them before. But yes. because of this fear. Now, all of a sudden, it's opened up all these new opportunities for us. Yeah. And then I'll challenge the listeners to take it one step further to Monday. If you're embracing fear as a signal, paying attention to it, understanding what you can control, you're working within constraints and constraints are your friend when it comes to creativity. I think we need to end on that positive note of there's nothing but creativity and innovation that's going to come out the other end of this. But it started with fear. So Reza, we are almost out of time. Is there any um, nugget that you want to leave with a me sweet listener that we haven't discussed today? It could be as simple as start meditating. I uh, have found a lot of benefit from meditation. And my favorite is a woman by the name of Tara Brock. Okay. Her podcasts are available. She's also on Spotify. Okay. She wrote a great book called Finding True Refuge, um, and that book's available on Audible as well. Tara Brock, B-R-A-C-H. Okay. What I, what I really like about her approach is, well, firstly, she's a psychologist. Mm-hmm. She's also a Buddhist teacher. Mm-hmm. But what I really like about her, uh, the way she goes about teaching meditation is she really explains the, the neurology of it. She yeah. explains how how what what's happening when you're when you're meditating what's happening to you physically love it and you know just having a biology background i like that because then i can mm-hmm. actually visualize what's happening in my nervous system you know yeah. um what's happening in my body 
anyway, I found I found her to be to be a very very helpful uh, resource. Um, she has great lectures, particularly you know right now on you know on this topic of fear and how do you deal with it and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. I, I recommend that listen to listen to one of her podcasts. Just start great. out if you don't meditate. I mm-hmm. suggest you know starting with one of her guided meditations. Uh, and I've tried a lot of different stuff. She's the one that I like most, but there are many other options out there as well. I do think meditation is the first step in dealing with fear. Uh, you got to sort of calm yourself down to be able to really think about it rationally. Love it. Reza, thank you for sharing your brain with the listeners today. And I've also learned a lot and it's been very fun to reconnect with you. Thanks, Donna. It's, I've learned a lot as well. It's great to reconnect with you as well. Thank you for joining us in the Me Suite. I'm Donna Peters. Subscribe to the podcast. Share ideas for future episode topics. Visit us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and at themesuite.com. That's the-me-suite.com. Suite like executive suite. That's the-me-suite.com. The Me Suite, a source of power for the life-minded.